Good morning. Welcome to this reflection on the challenges of crossing boundaries in mission. My name is Frank Hines and I am the Planting and Pioneer Network Leader in Church Wigan. The Lord be with you. Today's reading is from 1 John chapter 2, verse 7 to 29, a new commandment. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in darkness and walks around in darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I'm writing to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the the Father and in the Son. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, And as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him.
This is the word of the Lord. My father was the last of the old school missionaries. He arrived in Nigeria on a ship. He communicated by airmail, a slow and ponderous form of snail mail. His base was so remote and communication was so poor that when his own father died, his family couldn't make contact with him for three weeks. And at a time when missionaries were becoming increasingly westernized and distant, safe behind high compound walls, shiny cars and American dollars, he took contextualization to the limit. He, he dressed like a Hausa, the large Muslim tribe in the north of Nigeria in which he was embedded. He spoke their language fluently. He and his slowly growing family lived deep amongst the people, including in a mud hut. He gave half his paltry missionary allowance away so our relative poverty could stand alongside their severe deprivation. He knew the Quran better than the Muslim teachers he debated with. He became known across West Africa as he taught and preached, argued and cajoled in dusty villages and sprawling cities. The white man with an African soul. When he died, an archbishop spoke at his funeral and there was a full page obituary in the Times. My dad was a great man. But if you were to ask me about my father, I wouldn't tell you about the big things. I would tell you about two small events. The, the first was a routine that he did every day for about two years. Not half a mile from where we lived was a makeshift shelter of a woman, one of many deeply distressed and confused people suffering from severe mental health difficulties that would camp beside the, the roads in that city. Every day he would drive down that road with a pot of food, attempt some conversation and pray with her. As his children, we were embarrassed at this to our shame and others were perplexed. You can't even understand what you're saying. But my father ignored all this. He did this kind of thing regularly. His heart was deeply moved by her plight. He loved this marginalized and overlooked person and his love moved him to action. The second event occurred in this country after we had returned from Nigeria. One day he got on a train from Southport to Liverpool and as he did so he noticed a young girl sitting there looking sad and distressed. He wanted to say something to her but he knew that she would probably feel threatened if he approached her. So he sat near her on that train and he sang. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to, to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. He sang the whole song. He was oblivious to the strange looks, oblivious to the embarrassment. He was solely intent on getting a message across to a person who needed to hear it. His heart was moved by her plight and his love moved him to action. The challenges of crossing boundaries in mission are significant. Cross-cultural mission is a long, taxing exercise. Those who study these things say it takes anything up to seven years to become sufficiently embedded in culture in order to bring a message to it. Those who are called to cross-cultural mission, 
This long embedding cannot be short-circuited or circumvented. However, the Apostle John offers us a language that transcends cultural boundaries. His new commandment that he speaks about so frequently and eloquently in his letters, which is, of course, the um, command to love. Love is the conduit for the gospel message. It cuts through the boundaries of culture, class, language and race that divide us. My father taught me that mission requires a deep dive into your context. But above all, he taught me that it requires love. Truly and deeply, selflessly and persistently, in regular acts of tender mercy. May this be true of us in the days and weeks coming. Amen. So let us pray together. Lord, we know that you sent your Son so that all might be saved. Your desire is that everyone should know you, and you, you have called us to be partners in that great endeavor. Father, will you move us to show love to our neighbors, our, our friends, our family, but also to those who are not part of our natural groups, those that others might overlook, those that actually we have overlooked. Lord, may our hearts be moved, uh, and may that lead to action in your name and for your sake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May you go well this day and throughout this new year. Many blessings.